It's Rumination Thursday on Law and Gospel on this February the 24th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on the phone is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hello, Wes. How's the weather up there? It's uh, 24 and trying to snow, but it's not doing much right now. No, I'm coming up that way to preach at two congregations, so I'm hoping the snow stays away. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be coming, but we'll see what happens here. What we've got is a very interesting article that you found, and it's all about uh, Barna. He is an individual who likes doing a lot of polling, and he's been reporting on the credibility crisis that America's pastors are facing. And the summary is, U.S. adults are unsure whether pastors in their local community can be trusted, are in touch with their community's needs, and are reliable sources of wisdom and leadership. Now, you've given some thought to that. Do you think that's, first of all, true? And if so, why? Well, uh, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, it, the, the questions that I ask is that I, I think we need to, to focus on, too, as we go through the article, is what is wisdom and what is the power of the pastors? If you talk about just general public credibility, you know, you, you talk about uh, the false doctrine that, that comes out of our pulpits, not, not per se Lutheran, but Christian various Christian denominations, you know, like women pastors that we've covered before that, that changed the uh, meaning of key Bible passages such as John 3.16 or the pedophile problem that was going among the priests in the Roman Catholic Church, which uh, yeah, I think affects the credibility. But in looking at it further, uh, I got to looking at what, what is the power and authority of a pastor? What is the wisdom that a pastor is supposed to exude? Uh, yes, they they make a big point. This is on the basis of a book that uh, Dr. Pakiam, uh wrote, and he observes that we uh, pastors must face the reality that we have contributed to the crisis of credibility. There are cultural headwinds that have changed the social standing or cultural power of a pastor, but we have made a mess of things too. And here's what he says. From small country churches to uber mega churches, many pastors have been found to be bullies and hypocrites, alcohol abusers, and womanizers, the crisis of credibility is a symptom. Symptom, the mistress of authority is the root cause. That's why he thinks pastors aren't considered to be very trustworthy these days. Well, of course, yeah, that that is a, a major problem in it in itself. That. Uh... 
what are they showing to the people out there that it doesn't make any difference? And that comes back to the heart of what I what I speak of. What is the wisdom that that we we should be looking at? Uh, yes, uh, they get into the idea that pastors don't know how to limit their authority. And he does talk about an area that we talk about in the Missouri Synod when it comes to the two kingdoms. Where do some pastors go beyond what they're supposed to go beyond in regard to when they speak? Well, it comes down to an issue of what is the power and authority of the pastor. And, I, you know, I took a look at the 41 Catechism, and it says there that the... The 41 ministry, Catechism, what's that? Uh, the uh, old Luther small catechism put out by the Senate, who was in Church, Missouri Senate. Oh, we, okay. we got many different variations of it. Uh, I refer to my, my old one that I came came through with. And uh, question, and, and a question 276 says, what do called ministers of, the, of Christ deal with us by divine command? The called ministers of Christ preach the word of God and minister the sacraments. And through these means of grace, offer and convey the forgiveness of sins. Their power rests in the in Christ or by the authority of Christ. We see it when we do confession and absolution on a Sunday morning. And people confess their sins, and pastor forgives their sins by the authority of Christ. Some pastors. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, churches that don't even believe in the absolution, because they don't really believe that we're sinners. Uh, One of the things I found very interesting, uh, that pastors, really, when you're talking about their own congregations, what do they think of the trust they have there? Not much. Uh, They they question his authority. They question whether he... He has the necessary wisdom to come out with it. Well, actually, the the poll showed that the pastors really believe that their local congregations, 82% of them, view them as trustworthy source of wisdom. In other words, they are considered, 82% of them, to be a trustworthy source of wisdom in their own congregation. It's the community that they're having trouble with. Well, wouldn't they have trouble with the community to begin with? If it's an unbelieving community, here we're talking about faith versus versus, uh, uh, unbelief in a community. Wouldn't you say that that's a critical factor? Well, I think you're starting to touch on something where I'm somewhat critical of what this writer is trying to say and do. Um, Did you notice what he says pastors need to do? He says 
that pastors need to examine themselves to see whether the credibility the profession is now facing have to do with the way they have stewarded power. If the mishandling of power has led to the loss of credibility, returning to the source and shape of a pastor's authority is the way back home. I have no idea what he's talking about. Do you? Yeah, well, that's no. And that's why it comes back to to the fundamental question. What is the wisdom that he talks about? What is the power uh, that, that pastors have? You know, I ran across this article in connection with uh, listening to your Bible study on Proverbs where you talk about wisdom, which, uh, uh, you know, I, I see some conflict between your Bible study and what this article is saying, because this article doesn't define what wisdom is. No, it really doesn't. And I do believe there are some pastors who get involved in political matters where they don't have the biblical foundation to do so. That, uh, that's that's a, a real problem. Now, that's an excellent point you bring up, but another one would be is what do you call sin? You know, in in uh, some of the, the church denominations, gay pastors are allowed to be pastors uh, practicing gay uh, their their LGBTQ rights. So, you know, what do you call sin? It gets down to the fundamental question. What, what kind of wisdom are you talking about? Man's wisdom or you know, with, uh, with a Bible that's kind of sliced open and not calling things sin that God calls sin? Yes, if you take a look at, like, the Methodist Church, they got a big split coming over homosexuality. And you look at the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America that is hardly even Christian anymore in its official stance. There are many Christians in that church, but the leadership has just gone bonkers in thinking that uh, Muslims are saved and uh, people who don't believe in Jesus Christ are saved, all, all kinds of things that are going wrong. They have women pastors, and that's something I sure don't trust. I never trust a woman pastor simply because she's already disagreeing with God's word that she thinks she should be a pastor and she really isn't. Right. Well, it goes back to that uh, ELC, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America convention that we watched on, on the web when the platform, when, when the bishop, uh, the president of Elka allowed uh, all these Baha'i and Muslims and various uh, Hindus, all kinds of various religions up there and saying that they were our brothers and sisters in, in, in the faith. They didn't say in Christ, but said in the faith. And uh, how do we know the way to heaven? Yes. So I... I tell you, if you listen to a lot of radio stations that have Christian information, 
you're pretty fortunate if 10% of the programs talk about justification by grace through faith on account of Jesus Christ. A lot of them are talking about morality because, as we've said before, the vast majority of people believe that you get to heaven by your good works. And therefore, that's what a lot of preaching is about. Heaven by means of your good works rather than the good works of Jesus Christ. Right. Or um, this uh, get rich scheme, you know, God gives you the power to get rich. If you just open up to his way of thinking, the, uh, oh, what's his name from Dallas that uh, portrays God's blessings upon all on, on you to become rich and famous. Yes, that you're not getting blessed because you're not doing enough good works, he, he wrote about. So, right, Joel Steen. Yeah. In other words, this is why people aren't trusting and why there's such division in the churches. But I want to bring up a, another survey that I don't know if you're aware of this one or not, but... Um, where it said that almost 80% of the population does does not trust uh, Christianity. Did you hear that survey? No. Yes. 80%. And why don't they trust Christianity? Was it, did they give a reason? Oh, yes. In fact, they so distrusted Christianity, they crucified him. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but of course you're referring to... You get my point, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes. They this article is ridiculous. I mean, why would you trust sinners? Every pastor is a sinner. And there's bound to be, you know, you and I have gone through some controversies. Sometimes it was our own fault. Sometimes people misunderstood us. But I tell you, there's a lot of people out there that don't like authority. They did not trust Jesus Christ. You had a few, like on Palm Sunday, that came from Bethany, but hardly anybody discouraged him being crucified when the Jewish leaders, the, these were people heading up religion at that time, came out against Jesus. So if you did a survey in that time asking people, do you trust him? What happened to him at Nazareth, his own hometown, to show they didn't trust him? That's true. You know, as you speak, well, another happened? one that, well, they wanted to throw him off the cliff. And, and of course, uh, as and we why? were told that he walked through, because he, he called himself God. No. Yeah. He, he quoted Isaiah saying this was fulfilled. Yeah. He refused to do miracles. Hmm. That's right. He didn't, it didn't have anything to do with his spiritual teaching. 
they they enjoyed his spiritual teaching because when he talked about that there's going to be a time coming when you're going to have all the food you need to eat, you're going to have a great place to live, they were thinking he's talking about Israel and the world today, not realizing that he's talking about the spiritual dimensions of life. And that's what we're faced with today. We've got a lot of people in this world who don't trust pastors because when we speak the ethical teachings of the scripture, they don't agree with them anymore, many of them. Yeah, that's true. And the problem, you know, as I, as I hear you speak about that, is uh, they don't understand the consequences to, to, to their sins. You know, that uh, uh, there are consequences to the things that we do. And without repentance, it becomes even more serious. That's why it still comes back down to that fundamental question, what is wisdom and what do you call sin? And how do you set yourself up to to what we call man's teachings versus what God has to say from his holy word. Do you really look at the Bible as being God's word and final authority? Now, you've been a pastor in a congregation for many years. You get visitors coming to your worship services and such. Have you not had people who at the beginning of the service, they're visitors, and they ask if they can take the Lord's Supper? And, and they're not members of the congregation. They're not even Lutheran. Yes. And what does that show me? Well, they, they don't. Uh, there's an interest in taking the Lord's Supper, but not an understanding of what, is, what, is, in, what is involved. But, you know, there was that book by Werner Ehler, Eucharist in the first four centuries of Christendom. Yeah, and uh, he and he made it precise a point that the altar that you confess that it was the altar that you took communion. You you could not come from a, a varying house of faith that had a different confession of faith and take communion because uh, it, it led to a confusion of what was going on. It not led to a confusion. I always quote 1 Corinthians 11, where people who were believers taking communion but not knowing what was going on really ended up getting sick and dying. You know, and, and, and as, you, as we speak about it, talk about it, it comes back to, to the unbeliever who has no understanding of what it is. In fact, there is no faith. There is no Holy Spirit within their heart to to uh, make a decision such as this. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I, I believe uh, Baptists and Presbyterians are Christians, but they would disagree with us on the Lord's Supper. So they uh, have the Holy yeah. Spirit, but they just do not understand really what the Lord's Supper is all about. And how right. important would, it is. I would agree with you what you're saying. I, I'm I'm thinking about the survey talking about those that are 
uh, not of the faith altogether that try to pass judgment on, on what's going on inside our church. Well, it's difficult for me to decide. Like, you have a lot of millennials that don't go to church anymore. I'm not ready to say that they're unbelievers. Uh, they don't understand, particularly the ethics of the church, but I've been running into some of them who still believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, etc. In other words, we have a situation where there can be faith in Jesus, but not to the level where they're ready to take the Lord's Supper in agreement with the teachings of God's Word. And and so we got to be a little careful. We don't say that they're unbelievers, but there's no doubt there are unbelievers. But this survey, as I said earlier, this could be taken at the time of Jesus, and the same <laughs> results would have occurred. And are we going to go to Jesus and say, well, what you need to do, like this author, this is why I'm really against him, he says that the church should be more involved in the community. And you see some churches trying to become uh, soup kitchens or things like that, that, as you said earlier, aren't really doing the task of ministry, but making people feel comfortable in a church when that's really hard to do if you're preaching proper law and gospel. Right. It's not that we're opposed to soup kitchens or clothing places or taking care of the homeless, but those are all things that are a result or follow a faith that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that it's getting out there and talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. And for for us to realize that the power of, of pastors rests in the word and the sacrament, getting out the good news to, to the people. And then a result of, of, of that is we can reach out into the community in terms of our good works. Yes, a pastor really is loved by his congregation when he is there for the congregation on the spiritual level when they go to a hospital, when they're about to have a baby, when they're about to get married. uh, He's the one that indicates to the young people, you don't live together prior to getting married. You know, that that is a a sin, and you're going to get negative consequences that God has built in to the fabric of how he has created this universe. And so the law warns people But it also shows, and that's really what the book of Proverbs is all about, here's how to live a full life. Listen to the wisdom of Jesus Christ. And the more you realize that he died for you, the undeserving, the more you want to obey his voice out of love for him. Because what's that Bible verse? We love him because he, he first loved us for first Excellent. John. Yes. Yes. That's the ministry of the church. And so we get involved in political areas where, like in abortion, where they're murdering children. The church dare not be quiet about that. But if 
the government is attempting to try and raise taxes or something, that's not the business of a pastor in the pulpit. That's really between the government officials and you get what you elect. And if you don't like it, then elect someone else. But we need to be very careful that if it's not something that God has clearly stated in the scripture, that we pastors have no more authority than anybody else has when it deals with political issues. Right, and I, it's well said, and I think it's right to the very point that you, you talk about, is that if it's in Scripture, we we are to follow it. If it's not in Scripture, uh, it's an open question, and, and we not, must not bind the minds and hearts of, of our people. kind of reminds me of the pastor who couples who talked about a couple of college students that were going to get married and uh, they were living together and he had long story short is part of the sign of repentance is that they go sit down and talk to their parents because the parents were upset one set of parents said what's the pastor trying to do here they're trying to do the right thing another set of parents the father said my son and i talked for for overnight for over for over 12 hours and built our relationship again on what it meant to to be christian yes and unfortunately there are a lot of parents who really don't want to get in arguments with their kids so they're allowing them to do things that they never would have done when they were younger to try and keep a good relationship but they need to realize that when that good relationship is impacted by the work of the devil that relationship is going to be broken and they don't realize that a lot of times so So, it's good that we we took a look at the credibility as found in god's wisdom yes doesn't bother me that the world doesn't think much of our loyalty and much of our wisdom because that's what Jesus went through also. Tomorrow we'll be talking more about this perhaps when we talk about Open Mic Friday. Email me in order to ask a question and we'll try and answer it. But thanks very much, Pastor Reimnitz. And I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.